Hello, my name is Dan from Desert Island Dicks. What's yours? Sorry, I can't hear you. This isn't going to work. I'm just going to carry on as normal. This episode features the wonderful Tessa Coates. Uh, she does many, many things indeed. She does podcasts, comedy, writing. We addressed this in the episode, so I won't spend too much time going on about it. But it was a pleasure to talk to her, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Now, this is the sort of thing that I and other podcasters say all the time, but we would really appreciate it if you could subscribe, give us a rating and a review, because it makes a lot of difference to our standing in the charts. And then when we get together with other podcasters, they won't make fun of us and um, put things in our drinks when we're not looking. So if you could do that, that would be really appreciated. We're just going to keep on rolling out the episodes. We've got loads of really good ones scheduled that I think you're going to enjoy. I think that's about it. Let's just listen, shall we, to the episode. It's Tessa Coates on Desert Island Dicks. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is writer, performer, one third of sketch group Massive Dad, host of the Nobody Panic podcast and much more besides. It's Tessa Coates. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing so well. Thank you for your lovely introduction. Thrilled to be here. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's hard to, you do a lot of things, so it's quite hard to condense it into a short uh, biography. Yeah, it's very tricky. Imagine what it's like for me at large family gatherings. <laughs> People are there, and what, and what is it, and what is it you do? And I think, do you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think next time at the family gathering, you should say, well, if you don't know by now, frankly, I'm disappointed. I, I mean, even my my actual parents think I have a, a topical radio show called Don't Panic. So, you know, I'm like, no, very close, but that's that's not what I do. For a while, when I was very unemployed in my early 20s, and I couldn't bear the, be asked it, I said, I used to say I worked for the government, and I, <laughs> I couldn't say any more. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Tessa, now we're here today to talk about the worst people and things that you could be stuck with on a desert island. How did you find the task of uh, curating your list? I found it quite tricky. I found it quite tricky because there are some people I wanted and I told my mum I was doing this and she was like, absolutely not. You cannot say those real people, like they they will find you. Like as in, they're like, some of them are relatives. One was like, they're like people who are very, even if I'd attempted to disguise who they were, <laughs> they would be so easily identifiable. And my mum has repeatedly told me to like, stop telling true stories on the stage and was like, you, this has got to stop. You've got to stop doing this. So then when I removed sort of very particular people, then it's, some of them are more like the essence of a thing as opposed to a specific person. Okay. I'm sure the instinct, as soon as you think about these, is to be like Donald Trump or whatever. But I do feel like, particularly with like our current uh, awful Tory government, or perhaps you're listening in a better future and they're not here <laughs> anymore. But like, I do feel that the thing that upsets everybody about them so much is is the sort of the lies and the, um, mm. and the fakery to it. And I do feel like if you got any of those real dickheads onto the island, when there was no need for the pretense anymore, there's probably an all right-ish person under there. Like the thing that upsets everyone so much is this like, is the endless presentation of a different sort of person. Mm. 
Though maybe I'm just being too naive and underneath the facade is just a worse <laughs> it's just an even worse person. Yeah, you I know? think it probably depends on, on the individual, doesn't it? I reckon some are, are probably wanting to be worse than they're allowed to be in, in public life and some of them are probably more mild-mannered and easygoing and just sort of along for the ride, I don't know. That's the thing. Sometimes I feel a little bit sort of Anne of Green Gables about it all and I'm like, oh, I bet, I bet they're all right, you know, under there. But then really people are like, no, people are just truly bad. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see who's going to make the shortlist then. Who's going to be the first person joining you today? Okay. So the first person, it could be anybody. I am thinking of several specific people, but it is the essence of a job's worth. Okay. It is just somebody with a small amount of power, taking their small amount of power way too seriously Mm -hmm. and uh, at the detriment of people trying to have a nice time. And um, this is my, like by and large, I'm I'm a fairly easygoing soul, but somebody doing that is, okay, so I went to a wedding a couple of weeks ago that was just in the town hall and then it was everybody just uh, above a pub for food and dancing. Lovely. And the heat wave hadn't quite struck, but we were absolutely gearing up for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a very warm evening. The windows were open and at 30, 10.30, this very large, very furious man came like barreling in and slammed the windows shut. And we were like, what the heck, what are you doing? And he was like, uh, it's 10.30 and that's enough of this noise. Uh, the, the, you know, the neighbors have complained or whatever. And we're like, it was the, it was the most like gentle, <laughs> you know, nobody was, it wasn't Larry, it wasn't anything. It was just like gentle music on a summer's breeze and laughter from a wedding, uh, <laughs> you know, at an evening. If it had been 4 a.m. and, you know, uh, a, a, I was going to say a, a, ke- a, a sex party had kicked, I was going to say a chem party, just really revealing that I'm not totally sure what that is. <laughs> if like, if it's something absolutely outrageous got kicked out, I'd be like, absolutely, let's close these windows. Half past 10. Mm. So I was so cross with him. Obviously, we just opened them again as soon as it was gone. Uh, came back up, shouted at everybody, slammed them again. And then um, come sort of about an hour later when they were closing, coming up to closing time. Again, we were like pre-midnight. <laughs> the lights were all on upstairs. And um, the bride had decided it was time for her one-woman rendition of WAP. <laughs> and so the bride was on the floor doing her, her WAP solo. <laughs> and I was like, I think the lights need to come down here and we'll just have the fairy lights and the candles for, to give the bride some dignity for yeah. this, this performance. <laughs> and then I was like, went to look, find the white switch, couldn't find the light switch, went downstairs to be like, how do we turn the lights off upstairs? This like very sheepish young boy behind the bar was like, oh, you have to ask him and like gestures at this like horrible big guy. So then I'm like, so sorry, can we turn the lights off upstairs? And he was like, absolutely not. And I was like, why not? He's like, everybody's too, everyone's too drunk. You, you can't, you can't turn them off. And I was like, everyone is not drunk with the exception of the bride who's currently rolling around on the floor. <laughs> and also you don't get to say who, what we do with our, with the creating of the ambiance. And I was like, it's a wedding. Stop, stop saying, stop to- stopping everybody experiencing joy. Yeah. And he was like, listen, you've had a wedding, you've had a good time and now it's over. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I just feel like so many weddings and if they're in like, a venue or they're in a place they end for me at 11 o'clock at night when they haven't said oh by the way this is the last song or someone's just been like that's it that's the end turn the lights up get out everyone get out and you're like just don't don't let there be weddings in your venue if you are not ready for it to be a wedding and it to be a joyful experience yeah you know I understand there are rules but you've got to be like oh Every single time we turn the lights on, everybody boos us and shouts one more song for 45 <laughs> minutes. So let's preempt that and say, guys, this is the last song coming up. Let's get the bride and groom in. This is the last song. There's, I'm not saying you shouldn't have your rules. I understand they have to exist. But to then enforce them without remembering that like people are people and 
they they're going to want to get around them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've known so many jobs worth in my life, and they. Sorry, I feel already feel so hot and angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it does happen. So I should have warned you before the recording started. It, it is a side effect of doing this podcast. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think the thing with jobs worth is, I mean, it's like you're saying, isn't it? It's just. Adhering to the rules with absolutely no sense that sometimes they can be bent a little bit if there's a sort of a bigger picture. You know, it's you're right, right. It's a wedding. People aren't just having a drunken rave and it's within a reasonable limit. And, you know, even if you are furious, it's someone's special day. So, yeah. like, maybe don't come in too heavy handedly. I'm terribly sorry. It's just the neighbours around here are a pain in the yeah. ass. Blah, blah, blah. Is all it takes. It's like you've had your wedding. The fun's yeah, over. The fun you've had a wedding, and that's not, and it's over now. The marriage is starting now, <laughs> and it's no, right. There's just, no fun to be had then. Oh, it's just yeah, it's that, and and it doesn't have to be just wedding. It's just like anywhere that there is a fun experience happening, and some and people have because humans are good at managing to create their own fun out of something, and then you'd be like, no, that fun is not within the rules. That's it gets me. It gets because I think anyone who's in charge of sort of anything and there there are rules to stand by has to also understand that sometimes the rules in a certain situation become silly like I remember being on a bus and you know how bus drivers are very strict about where they stop and everything and um, there was someone who was just kicking off it was just intimidating the whole bus and then was trying to get out the door and the bus driver insisted on getting to the next stop and it was about 30 feet away but we were in traffic so he couldn't get there and it's like can you please just let the psycho off the bus before he murders us all? I reckon we can get away with it if you get charged by whoever would charge you, like the highways agency or whatever. Like you've got a bus full of witnesses. It's a double decker. There's double the witnesses. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Stop being like, no, this is my. This is this is what we have to do. It's like the passion with which they adhere as though that's the greatest source of joy in their life is to do these things correctly. Yeah. And I once, and I, this is on brand for it being, we're about to crash on a plane is that um, once on a plane, someone had sat in their wrong seat uh, in order to be closer to their wife or whatever. And it had worked out perfectly. The two couples were separated. Oh, perfect. I'll sit over here. You go over here. Everyone was like, jobs are good and great. This, then this one guy was like, even though it had what it was, this situation was now more beneficial to him. He insisted they return to the original layout. His wife is like, Jeremy, leave it. Jeremy, leave it. <laughs> he's like 70. And, uh, and he's insisting we all go back to our designated seats. And everyone's like, why? We're all in. You've made this much worse than it should be. And he was like, well, those are the, these are the rules. Like, you have to sit in your seat. And he's like, and everyone was like, eventually like, why? And he was like, well, because <laughs> when the plane crashes, they'll need to identify our bodies from the flight log. At which point everyone was like, right, forget it. Like, if, that, if, that's, your, if that's your reason that we, all, <laughs> that we all sit in these much worse seats, so that when we're dead, it will be easier for, for the paramedics to, like, to identify our body. I was like, forget Get it. I don't mind not being identified. That's absolutely fine, you know? Yeah, fuck it. Fuck it, you know? Fuck it. I think airports are a real hotbed of this kind of thing. And obviously, you know, there's lots of security and safety that has to be uh, observed. But at the same time, like, I remember coming to America once and they sort of said, oh, where are you staying? And I was 19. I was just going to rock up somewhere and find a place. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know yet. I'm going to head to this rough area. I think my friends are there ahead of me. I'll look them up. Fine. And they go, but you have to put somewhere like on your entry form. It's like, okay, but you understand. I have no idea of all the hotels and hostels. And they're like, just put holiday in. And I'm like, I'm definitely not staying at this place though, that I'm writing that you've made me do, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Or like, 
Exactly the same thing happened to me. And this is pre-iPhone when you couldn't just like look up where, you know, a place to put down. And I was reading a book at the desk and I remember I wrote down in front of them an address, a fictional address from the story. And, I, and they were like, great, thank you. Now you can come in. I was like, but yeah. you, you what, what, this whole like, but you've got to put something in this, in this little box. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I like the idea of just making them up. It's like number two, honeysuckle cottage, Compton. <laughs> yeah, Compton. Yeah, like, and, and why not? You know, like if you've insisted, I, I, here we go. Yeah. Well, I think this sort of person would, I mean, they're a nightmare in any situation, but on a desert island after a crash, I mean, particularly so. And just sort of, you know, when, when the situation really doesn't call for any rules and observation of, uh, of a certain code, then I think that, um, yeah, they're going to drive you absolutely mad. So let's see who's going to be joining them then. Who are we going to add into this pile? Okay, so adding into the into this pile is ideally multiple of this, but if there's only one person allowed, then I'm just going to give this extra skill to my job's worth. And it is people who are very good at acapella. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's an acapella group. Yeah. And uh, it, they don't have to be a performing group. It is simply people who at the end of the night sing show tunes. And I hate it because out of, I mean, this wouldn't, you don't have to be Freud to unpick why I hate it. I'm breathtakingly jealous. Like I, like I'm seething with jealousy about it. I wish I could make any kind of correct sound with my mouth, but people who just like riff their way into a song and then somebody else comes in with a harmony. And um, the first time I saw those little boop, it's a little, it's a small little circle and it goes in your pocket and then you take it out and you blow it. And I just thought that was a weird, um, like some uh, the, the carol singing in in our village when I was a kid, somebody brought one of those, and I honestly for years thought it was a whistle. That, that, like now we start, I was like, "That's the whistle, <laughs> off we go." <laughs> and then it turned, and then when it was revealed to me that they from that noise they were making that same noise with their mouth, I was like, "But that's the noise of a whistle, and that's your mouth." <laughs> <laughs> and that people people are genuinely and I and when they described this thing, I was like, "Right, sure, but that's for like." five musical geniuses including Mozart and it turns out loads of people can pitch themselves to that little to that little whistle and I hate it (laughs) (laughs) I am going to give you I'm going to let you have like a little acapella group just because they need each other to survive you know so otherwise they're just one singer they're they're half a person so I I think we have to have a little group but but everybody can do it but me like so the Jobsworth can do it everyone can do it like everybody can sing and not me and they they don't understand how I can't that's also an aspect of it that when I'm like but how are you doing that like well just you make they'll be like "Ah," and then they'll be like you make that noise back and I'll be like <laughs> and they'll be like, and they'll be like, can't you hear that what you're making is different to me? I'm like, no, of course I can't hear. <laughs> so I guess my nightmare is we're on this island, they're endlessly singing, and they endlessly try and teach me how to do it, and they cannot grasp how I can't do it, and I can't, they're they're bad teachers, and they can't, and I can't do it either. And so every day we have to have singing practice, and every day it ends in tears because I can't do it. <laughs> there is also a certain person, certain type of person who can sing well, who just sings too much like I really like music I like listening to it but I don't always want someone singing it because it's like if you're singing over the top of the song I like then I can't hear the song I like and if it's a song I don't like stop singing that fucking song I don't like do you know what I mean so it's like I really think there's a time and a place and sometimes people who are really good at singing or playing music playing instruments whatever kind of overlook that you know and if you started doing something else like just brought in your own music it would just be really inappropriate oh god I feel I hate them I hate them. And now I've added an element of um, 
a fury and now shame you know they bring a level of like crippling shame that i can't that i can't be part of it well, i like a multi-layered decision this is good it's not you know it's not there's lots of reasons where they're going to make your life a misery on the island i think it's perfect so it's, it's a good choice it's you know you've thought about this um okay who's who's gonna f- finish off the uh the combination of dicks well okay there's might tell you the runner-up before i tell you yeah Okay, so the runner-up was, is, <laughs> very specific, very tall, very hungover, very obnoxious, very rich <laughs> teenage boy who I worked with one summer, and he is inside a Gruffalo costume. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went with him one summer in which I had to do a face painting in a children's toy shop in the Westfield Centre dressed as Cinderella. And this boy was inside the Gruffalo costume, which was too small for him. So you could see his wrists and his <laughs> his neck. He showed up steaming drunk. Like every day we went there and he went to some fancy school or fancy university and he really thought he was the shit. And his Gruffalo head was always like spinning at the wrong angle. <laughs> and uh, children would come in to see the Gruffalo, so excited to meet the Gruffalo. And then they were, he was so big, so much bigger than they thought he was going to be. His costume was so ratty and his eyes didn't blink. And also he that head was constantly swiveling on his big, <laughs> big neck. <laughs> and so the children just left screaming like in fear. So we, so we, so he, when I think about like my, my worst person, I'm like, I never, ever, ever want to see ever again. It's this very tall boy's fucking neck <laughs> in this Gruffalo <laughs> costume. <laughs> but who I've actually gone for is again, a specific person in my life who I've been instructed not to name. He is perhaps 55. He's made a lot of money um, on what I think might be slightly corrupt property deals. Mm-hmm. And uh, he touches the small of your back Ugh. a lot, but because he's married and he has kids, he thinks like, "Why would you know?" It, this is a totally a fine thing to do, and he only ever tells stories about himself. And even if you attempt to say anything, no matter how cool it is, even if it was like, "Oh, I've been cast in a Marvel movie." He would have a store. He would immediately say, "Oh, I work. I've been working a lot with uh, Liam. I was going to say Liam Neeson there, but like mm. <laughs> Liam Hemsworth." And he would immediately just make himself the center of the story. Mm. He's a specific person I've known in my whole life, and I my gut turns over when I see him, and I the thought of him being trapped on this island is, oh man, I actually think I would. I think I would kill him and I would just make it look like an accident. Isn't that yeah. awful? <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, on this island, you, you don't even have to make it look like an accident because, you know, who, I mean, apart from the Jobsworth, he's probably going to have a few words. That's it. He's going to wrap me out. But, you know, there's no laws that you're breaking on the island because we're going to assume it's just, you know, international Oh, right. Waters. Yeah, you're right. International waters. Any man for himself. So fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fair enough. I think this type of person, I think, I imagine especially women can identify with this sort of thing a, a lot more, you know, because like the small of the back touching mercifully doesn't happen to us chaps so much, you know. But um, yeah, it sounds like a horrible bastard. That's the, I think the thing is like no actual crimes, like never done anything definitely awful to me. Just like, just like gently sleazy. And not only the sleaziness, but the, um, the obnoxiousness, the believing like that he's the, he's the best guy. Oh, yeah, I imagine you know you being forced to watch a performance from the the singers and him just sidling up next to you, oh! hand, hand on the small of your back, <laughs> and he's whispering now in my ear about something. But I'm like, shh, shh we've got to, 
we're supposed to be listening, but he keeps telling me something. And then the Jobsworth says, we have to be, you know, this is, that's it. That's it now. Shut it down. It's 10, yeah. it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> We've got rules on this island. They start going into a remix of an, um, of, of an um, Rihanna song. And he starts saying about how he once met Rihanna and oh, you know, hand on ah. the back. <laughs> oh my God. I hate this island so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Mm. Yeah. You're obviously right. That's it. It's, oh my God. I hate him. I mean, obviously, you know this person. We can't get into specifics uh, due to, you know... My mum's legality clause. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do other people feel the, who know him feel your... Absolutely. Your, oh, yeah, okay. So oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. That's something. Because, you know, if you're the one who hates him and everyone else thinks, oh, no, he's a nice guy. Oh, he's just being friendly. Then then that feels even worse. So initially, and then part of... And it was used to be worked years ago, is initially it was just me saying this. And everyone being like, oh, he's harmless. He's because and, and he is harmless. There's no actual crimes here. But like, it's that sort of like, um, oh, he's no bother. Oh, he's, oh, you know, he, that's just him. He's up for a laugh, whatever. And uh, oh, don't mind his stories. And then increasingly over the years, everyone's come around to my way of thinking. So <laughs> of late, now we're all on board. So your campaign has worked. My cat, my quiet, <laughs> endless, my war of attrition campaign has, has worked. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we're going to move away from people now because mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favorite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Okay. So my drink is a Bloody Mary. Okay. My drink, or well, specifically, it's just we opened the, the cargo hull and we're like, oh, thank God. Here it all is. It's still in the freezer. It's still cold. And it's clamato juice. Right, yes. Clam and tomato juice. Mm. I mean, it is a disgusting taste. And I know some people love a Bloody Mary, love those flavors. Wonderful, good for you. It is an out and out disgusting taste, clamato. But to me, I think what why I found it so upsetting is that, oh, I'm on a plane again. A lot of these memories are happening on a plane. I'm about, I was going to say I was about nine, but it feels very young to be doing this. I must have been a teenager. I must have been about 14. And... As the trolley's coming down, I'm just going to get my classic Coca-Cola or whatever. And then I see this guy and he orders a Bloody Mary. And the lady with the cart makes this amazing drink. She's cracking pepper in. There's a bit of a celery. There's a, there's all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, that looks, look at the, the gravitas, the panache with which this drink has been made. And him just casually being like, he might, he might even have been in Canada. So he might've said, can I have a Caesar? And I was like, oh my God. And, and I felt... Because I think all my life I've been looking to be this like very glamorous woman who has her signature drink, her signature style. And you're always like, oh, there she goes. Instead of just this like chaotic uh, urchin sort of hurtling from from thing to thing. Anyway, and I was like, oh my God, that's going to be my signature drink. So then it gets to me and I say, I think I said, I'll have what he's having. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Or I said like, oh, a Bloody Mary, please. I said, it's so casual. And I remember all my family being like, oh, wow, look, (laughs) here you go. Oh, wow. And it, and it came, I was, the oh, the, the excitement of it. I, I took a sip, a big sip, and I like, bleh, it all over the back of the, <laughs> the, of the thing. And everyone was so cross with me, everyone, my whole family was shouting at me. Like, and it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever tasted, but only the disgust, the, the betrayal, and also mm. the collapsing of this vision of my life of what it was gonna be, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I like Bloody Marys and stuff, but when I see a label, that has a picture of a tomato and also a clam on it. Like, <laughs> Have you ever tried it? No, maybe I should, but I don't if really you already lo- like Bloody Marys. Maybe you. Maybe, maybe you this will. is the the thing that I've been looking for. I'm not, I mean, like I also get why 
they're sort of disgusting. Like I had to explain to someone once, I went to an airport and asked for a Bloody Mary and he said, what's that? And I said, it's vodka and tomato juice. And he looked at me like, yeah. did you mean something yeah. else? And you've, you did you mean apple juice or something? I was like, no, no, no. And he was like, I'm just going to put the bits separately and you can make it yourself because I don't know what the fuck's going on. Maybe, is this a mystery shopper prank or something? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, if you'd never heard of one before, that's exactly how you would react. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, asked, I went to a hardware store and asked if they had cat flaps and he was like, what's that? He's like, this, he didn't speak great English and he said, what's that? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a small, It's a small door that you cut a hole in your big door so you can put a door in and a cat goes through it. And he looked at me like, I'm not the crazy one here. And I thought... Yeah, I get that now. Like, I understand why you're looking at me like that. So it's similar yeah. Sort Once of you thing. describe something, you are like, and it's the cat goes through his own tiny door. What's yeah, the and problem I'm here? Cut a big hole in my front in door my so door. this can happen. For the cat's tiny door, and it and it swings like a saloon door, like he's a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Once in a massive like Walmart, I asked somebody for a hot water bottle. And they repeated hot water bottle at me eight for ages until I was like, Am I have I but am I pronouncing that wrong? And then eventually they led me to the thermoses. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Not yeah. not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then I was, then I kept being like, okay, but that, but now it goes in your bed. And then honestly, I was like, I felt like my soul had left my body. I was like, when you, when you say something that's like, so such a normal phrase and someone doesn't understand it and you try to explain it, you're like, oh my God. Uh, oh my God. It felt very sort of Truman Show-esque of being like. Definitely. Now they just removed the hot water bottles and now we'll all pretend that. And it's like, and how quickly would you, if you couldn't find a hot water bottle, you couldn't see a reference to it. When you search on the internet, you never found it. Like the sort of film yesterday, like how quickly would you be like, oh, well, I guess I invented them. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess I made that up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, okay. Well, because this is your island then and it's all your worst things. Should we say it's a Bloody Mary, but with Clamato juice. I don't know, is it called something different when it's that? It's called, it's called a Clamato Bloody Mary. It might, okay. oh, sorry, or a Bloody Caesar. Right. Ah, okay. A Bloody Caesar, people say, is just a better a Bloody Mary. Oh, really? oh, my God. And you put a pickle in. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It reminds me a bit of, um, you know, there's a Simpsons episode and they invent a tomato that's crossed with tobacco and it's called a tomaco. Oh, yeah. And, and people find them disgusting, but they can't stop eating them. And it's that same, that word, it's just a compound word I don't I don't want to hear. Right. And they must have tried it with other other shellfish. Well, like, you know, people make sort of like, you'll quite often see on the internet, like a joke, you know, joke foods or whatever, or, you know, mm. you know, Photoshop. People are so, so talented these days. Yeah. You know, it looks real. I do remember the first time I saw Clamato, I assumed it was that. I assumed they were like a, an April Fool's. Mm. Like that you just, you stuck two horrible words together and now there's a clam on the front of this juice. Like <laughs> I was just absolutely horrified. Yeah. Oh yeah. Christ. Oh uh, Yeah. Yeah, well, you're going to be drinking nice, warm, uh, bloody Caesars oh. on the island. Um, what would be your food choice to try and sort of distract you from the taste? My food choice, and I imagine this maybe comes up quite a bit, but is a uh, a dis is a garage forecourt sandwich in the plastic packaging. Mm -hmm. There's just something. I mean, not only are they disgusting to visit, but there's something so unspeakably forlorn about them that they really. I have to sort of stop and look at them every time I come across them. They're so sad to me that somebody, because they, when you look at them, you're looking at quite a lot of somebody's hours work in each individual one. Well, maybe in a minute, but like each one is somebody stood on the line and made these things. Someone had to buy the, the ham. Someone had to decide 
probably the job's worth, exactly how much butter was allowed on this thing and decided that that was in. It's just the lack of soul that's gone into this thing and that somebody, I would rather there was just no sandwiches. I would rather there was, when I went to this place, I would rather there was nothing there than there was one of these. I've been, I've never, ever eaten one. And that, and that they're thick plastic packet. They're also vacuum packed, like they're going to space, like, and it's just the sadness of it. And I know that that's such a common thing to hate. And then I'm like, why are they still there? Like how, if we're all collectively agreed that this is bad, how does this company stay? Is there drugs inside them? Is that the, is that how this business stays alive? You know, like, is that how, is that how we're trafficking drugs around the country is inside these sandwiches? Cause no one's ever eats them. It's sort of something that I'm like, why, why they're there and why are they so prolific? And, and why are we as a nation so happy to have something so shit? You ever like drive in the services in France, like their crap display of sandwiches are these exquisite baguettes, you know, they're sort of, they're the thing that I guess the French are like, oh, how embarrassing I have to have. Oh God, I could only have a service station baguette. And yet it's like, it's like fresh lettuce, this fresh tomato, all this beautiful Parma ham, ham and Parma stuff. Ham, yeah. uh, you know, mustard, cracked black pepper, you know, like someone's taken all this care over it and that's their level of service station. And ours is this one dribble of ham and this, oh Christ. <laughs> I so hate them so much. It's sometimes, you know, and you hear sort of uh, people who live abroad sort of complain about how bad the food is in England. And, you know, you can be walking around a hip part of London and you think, I don't know, like, this is great. There's loads of nice places here. I think, you know, we're misrepresented. And then you go to somewhere like that and you're like, yeah, it's because of this. You know, it's, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And, um, and we have a, a series of very bad links. That's exactly it, because I think we have an amazing selection. We have some Michelin-starred restaurants. We have some incredible dining culture in this country. And yet we can only be judged by our weakest link. And it's that, wow, this is such wisdom from you. Oh, thank you. Once that services in Italy, I've, I've, God, I'm really wanging on here. Like I'm really well-traveled and I do apologize. But I think it's that you only really realize how bad it is when you see it in another country. Mm. And there's like, there was a, a mozzarella stall. In the, in the car park. And we got given this like ball of mozzarella and it was the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. So delicious that I actually can't eat mozzarella again, <laughs> which is a real, a real blow, <laughs> you know? Cause I'm like, well, it's not as good as it was in that car park. And so you're like, if that's a driving snack, you know, and our weakest link is just so far behind that. Yeah. And, and our, yeah, it's just, it just smacks this like lack of care and lack of being like, you only, you only get this day once and what you've chosen to do with your one precious day is to eat this ham sandwich. <laughs> sorry, so sorry, so upset about it. <laughs> it's 2022 for God's sake. For like, God's sake. Fuck the flying cars. I don't mind that they're not here. I don't but care. Let's work Can I have this. a better sandwich, please? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good depressing meal you've got for yourself there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Well, my least favourite song, and again, I'm sure Crazy Frog has come up. Has Crazy Frog come up before on here? I think so, yeah. I mean, annoyingly, my son started watching that recently, which is a real blow, because I just thought his generation would skip that. How old is he? 
He's five, so he's kind of at that point where he has the most open music taste in the world because mm. he has no ego, you know, so like you can play him stuff by the Beatles or some drum and bass and he'll like those as much as he likes Crazy Frog. Yeah, and I wonder if actually it taps into something in a child's like, it's just a musical beat that they a child really loves. Mm. Anyway, so like I, I toyed with, you know, some of those incredibly annoying songs and what I've gone for is The Final Countdown. Okay, yeah. By, and now you'll have to say. Europe. Europe. And does it go... It's the final countdown. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so objectively, I don't think it's a bad song and I don't want anybody to be upset with me. And if Europe are listening, God bless you. Very good work. But I, uh, okay, so at university, I, every Friday and Saturday night, I worked, (laughs) I worked in a bar called The Fighting Cocks and, um, which was a dumb thing to do. I should have worked in like a student bar or something, but I worked in the local bar and every Friday and Saturday night, there was a disco from nine o'clock at night till one o'clock in the morning. And towards the end, from half past midnight till one o'clock in the morning, there was a playlist, because I wasn't really aware of the music for the rest of it, but for this half hour, the music was always exactly the same as we built towards the end. And by this point, I was so exhausted and always like just covered in al- in alcohol, <laughs> like, you know, from it just being such a rowdy bar. And, um, and just knowing that like, you know, when you're working a shift that you're like, okay, maybe, and you're like, don't look at the clock, don't look at the clock, don't look at the clock. And you're like, okay, I think it's been an hour. And then you look at the clock and it's been like 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, oh no. <laughs> and so now for this final half hour, when I would try and distract myself as best as possible and like make it go faster, I knew exactly where we were because this, the, the final playlist had started. And it was all these sort of like end of night wedding classics that I have such bad like PTSD from that if they, when they play at weddings, I have to like leave, leave the dance floor. And then the final one was the final countdown, but sometimes they would play it on repeat because oh. like people, and so we had the final countdown up with uh, honestly six times and like, cause people were loving it so much. And it's just that thing of like everyone shouting slightly off key and me saying off key. I don't really know, but even then I could tell when somebody is not quite on the words, bellowing it out, shouting, you know, shouting along to the words. And then we just have it again. <laughs> so that, that to me is just cause it conjures up bad memories. I mean, I think it's a song we've all probably had a laugh to at some point, but there comes a time, you know, where we have to sort of be honest with ourselves and it's not the last song you want to hear forever, is it? Forever, right? But then also, like, is there a song, I suppose if this was like, you had to choose a song, is there any song in the world that if you only had that song, you wouldn't tire of it, you know? I mean... If there is, it's not the final countdown. No. <laughs> that's for sure. There are songs that would have better longevity than that, I think. And it's probably like a classical piece or something that's like maybe 20 minutes long and you sort of limit yeah. yourself to like only a bit of it each day or something. Yeah. And you know what? That a cappella group are going to relish the chance to uh, do their own version <laughs> of Final Countdown. They'll go, hey, Tessa, uh, we've been working on something. And then one of them starts doing the bass line, going, dum da, dum da, dum da, dum da. And then the other one's like doing the guitar. Oh, man. And then they awful. like they play each other. Like they one of them pretends to be a double bass and they like <laughs> play. And then one's like banding over and they're like banging the drums on their back. <laughs> It's so cheeky. Oh, a bit of fun. And again, <laughs> it's from pure jealousy. I just want to be part of it. <laughs> yeah, the idea of that. Because there's no, they can't resist it. There, there has they can't to be, resist it. They it just love it. It has to be done. Yeah. And what would your film choice be? My film choice is um, a film I haven't seen since I was a teenager. But we all went to the cinema. We snuck in 
because we were, it was 15 and we were underage and it felt very cool and a big group of us went. And when we were sneaking in, I remember being like, yeah, this is cool. And after the film, I was like, that was the biggest mistake of my life. (laughs) (laughs) The film was The Ring. Ah. And I did not sleep properly for nine years. (laughs) 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 The Ring truly, truly ruined my life. Like I was honestly absolutely terrified of it. And I don't know. And I think choosing it for this island is like, eventually we'd be so bored that we would have to watch it. Mm. And I honestly can't tell for me, which is worse. If now I watch it as an adult, I'm just as scared. And this is the only source of entertainment we have is this movie. Or I watch it again. I'm like, this is the shittest movie. Why were you so scared by this? And I can't, I can't tell which is which is worse. <laughs> so for people who aren't familiar with it, so it's, it's a horror film. There's originally a Japanese version and then there was a, I think there was a remake, wasn't there? I don't know which one. Oh, sorry. Obviously this was the the, the remake. I'm sure the Japanese one is, and I've heard is absolutely in, incredible, but this was the, the shitty American remake um, of The Ring, which uh, got lambasted at the time for, you know, doing bad things with the original source material, making poor choices, et cetera, et cetera. This film criticism was above my head because I was sleeping with the light on every day for nine years so this so i don't i'm sure it's um i don't know how well regarded it is within the film community etc etc i honestly i like can't engage with any dialogue about it whatsoever (laughs) because that's how much i hate the film it's about a i mean i I feel tense even describing to you okay so uh some kids watch a videotape and every and then afterwards everybody dies and it's about somebody sort of unpacking the mystery of this tape thing but how you die is a girl comes out of the television (laughs) And and when she came out of the television, I think because I just didn't see it coming, or, or even somebody had said like she comes out of the screen that that had been something that somebody had said. And weirdly, I just didn't put the two and two pieces together. So every time we saw like a sort of screen door or any sort of screen thing, I was like, "That's the screen," you know. I kept thinking, like, "Here it comes, here it comes." So then she's coming. She's so scary. She's on the telly. She's coming towards the camp, the, the thing. And you're thinking, and in the rational part of your mind, you're like, "It's okay." even if you were actually watching this on the, she's like, it's just on the telly. I'll just turn the telly off. Like, this is okay. This is, this is fine. It's scary and it's horrible to look at, but you are in, you can turn it off. And then she climbs out of the television. Oh God. And then it just like, I think that moment sort of like um, the, the walls of like what was and was not possible mm. within like the your fear of your own imagination was, was sort of all fell apart. And it's the only horror film I've ever, ever seen. And like, look at the state of me. I'm, I'm, tra- I'm traumatized. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's one of the very few that I've seen. I don't like the genre at all. And I think as far as I remember, because I saw the Japanese one, and as far as I remember, it's one of those that's scary because not much happens. You know, Mm. you're waiting for something a lot. So uh, the bulk of it is kind of eerie because nothing's really happening. Yeah. And then at the end, it just goes totally batshit. And you're like, what the fuck is... I, I just didn't see that coming. This is... Probably worse than it being scary all the way through. Yeah, know? right? I think it's this like it's this gentle, creeping, anxiety inducing, like ah, and then this this hot then this and then this. Mm, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. No, I agree. And having to watch it all over again. Oh, awful. Awful. Okay, right. Tessa, finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Mm-hmm. Which animal is it and why? Okay. Left field choice from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I thought but everyone, you know, I knew people do like the snakes, the spiders, the scary stuff. And I was like, I have a quite sort of live and let live attitude to animals. I really am like, ah, this was their island. Do your thing. Uh, runner up, 
the big worms from the film King Kong. <laughs> the horrible big worms. But then I was like, listen, they'll just live in their bit and we'll live in our bit and we just will never the twain shall meet, you know? Maybe. Maybe, but I don't know. That. And then what I've gone for number one is those, it's not even an animal. It's those robotic dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's those robo dogs. Oh, the really advanced ones that they're, is it Boston Dynamics? No, Boston Dynamics yeah. robotic dogs with those horrible legs and their little thin like wire, their one stick bodies and they're, it's the way those legs move is honestly more horrifying to me than even the big worms because even, hmm. it's something that's like a bio, a, a biohazard as well, I was going to say, but like a, a biodegradable, it's an animal. It has an animal system. I understand how it works. I'll, I'll ultimately, I'll be able to have to work, how to kill it or at least how to live in harmony with it. The robo dogs with their little backwards legs, just like the, the thought of them being on the island and us not being able to, and being so beyond us, me, my new gang, none of them helping, having <laughs> <laughs> to deal with these dogs. Like, yeah. and we don't know what they want or, or how to control them. Um, that to me is even worse than the big, because uh, truly I, I'm all right. Like, I, I don't mind insane. It's like, I'm, I'm happy to get a spider out of your house. Like, I'm all right about it. But these boys, no, no. Yeah. No. I know, like, you know, not all artificial intelligence should make us just think Terminator and Apocalypse, mm. but it kind of does. And especially when some of the videos show how great they are. And, like, the guy, who the, the operator will try and sort of knock it over and you see it steady itself. Yeah. And it's like, it just feels like Terminator just coming back, even when it's got no legs. It's just going to keep clawing itself along. Like, the woman out of the telly in the ring. Right, right. I think it's that. It's, like, things that are beyond your control. And, and similarly, I guess, oh, gosh, this is, it feels like we're really hitting a deep psychological well here. <laughs> but I suppose also the people I've chosen are people who are, like, not on my wavelength. And they can't understand me and I can't understand them. Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't understand you. And similarly, my drink, my stuff, my, oh, my God, my sandwich, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all just people I'm like, I can't, we can't comprehend each other. And it's that misunderstanding that's going to cause this to be the worst island in the world. Definitely. I made myself ill thinking about my island. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I'd like to think that now it's off your chest. You can, you've shed a, a, a sort of emotionally load and you can carry on. But I'm not a psychologist and it might not work like that. So, um, <laughs> you know, I have to apologize just in case. So, I, you know, unfortunately you, I can't control you. these things. So mm. um, just best of luck, I guess. Yeah, guess of luck. Just best of luck with your day as you just drag around. <laughs> this horrible thing you've created yeah uh yeah i'm very sorry okay well look let's uh let's just distract people tell us tell us all what you're up to at the minute where can people see and find i can't say this bit very well but basically tell us what you're up to what i'm up to is uh i make a podcast that you mentioned at the beginning it's called nobody panic we have just at the uh british podcast awards won silver and won a cushion with our face on it absolutely lovely thing to win um we just got the cushion but we're fine with it you didn't get your face on it well, we've got the logo on. It's here, in fact. Oh, yeah, yeah. There Sorry, but our logo uh, is our face. That's how. That's yeah, how. So we Sorry. Just, we, yeah. Ours is. Oh. Yeah, all right. We've all got a cushion. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us <laughs> out cushioning each other. Um, sorry. It's just our logo, but therefore, but it's of mm. us. So it's got us on it. A lovely thing to win. Um, it is July at the time of recording, which means uh, I'm heading up to Edinburgh very shortly. And as a result... A number of things in my house are in rainbow order. I've just, as a form of distraction, I keep <laughs> I keep organizing the books into rainbow pattern. And then, uh, you know, really, really organizing a drawer, very tidy. And then being like, write your show, mate, write your show. So I'm heading up to the Edinburgh Fringe to do a run for the whole thing from the 3rd of August to the end of August. Um, the show is called 
uh, Tessa Coates colon, get your Tessa Coates you've pulled. I've <laughs> lost confidence in the title. I'm very worried about it. <laughs> I'm on it at 6 p.m. in the Pleasance Courtyard in the Beside. And I'm really, really excited. I mean, the show is later than I do normally and it's in a bigger room, but, and I've really like stepped up the show, I think this year, but I'm really excited. I'm really excited to do that. Um, so yeah, come and find me physically in person in the Pleasance or come and find our podcast, Nobody Panic, or uh, find me on Twitter or on Instagram. I'm at Wheat Pray Love because I had uh, short-lived dreams of starting a gluten-free blog, but I, <laughs> I am very lazy, so I didn't do it. Projected titles, uh, Gluten Morgan, uh, oh, Gluten nice. Airport, Gluten Things I Hate About You. <laughs> bit of fun <laughs> um, yeah so those are those are that's what I'm working on at the moment lovely well we look forward to catching you in all of those things and uh, thank you very much for being a guest today it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute dream and thank you to you thank you to people listening There you go. That was Tessa Coates on Desert Island Dicks. Hope you enjoyed that. Desert Island Dicks is a sync clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by Dan Benedictus and edited by Chris Attaway. As always, a very special mention to John Deacon for his ongoing and unwavering support of the podcast. Thank you, John. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, I think I know what it is, but I'm not going to tease it just yet because I can't quite remember. But it's a good one, uh, whoever it is. So thank you very much for listening and um, that's it. Bye.